following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. You know, there are a lot of different other places I could be at this morning. But there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here in God's house with God's people preaching God's word because that's what he's called me to do. And this is where I belong. This is where I want to be. And there is nowhere else that I'd rather be right now than here with you. I love you, church. And I thank you for being here. And I'm looking forward to what God has to say to us this morning. But I tell you this much, there's no place else that I would rather you be other than this morning than Wednesday night at choir practice. (laughs) We have prayer meeting and Bible study at 6 o'clock. And right after that, at 7 o'clock, 7.15, we go over to the choir room. We have a good time. We, We worship during choir practice. We fellowship during choir practice. And we get ready for a song like what you just heard this morning. If I would love for you to be a part of our music ministry here at the church and watching that grow and watching the Lord work through you as you put your gifts and your talents to work for his kingdom and for his glory. If you have your Bibles this morning, we will be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2 and 3, primarily in chapter 3. Uh, we're going through a sermon series called Open Our Ears, Lord. We're learning how to hear from God. We're learning how to hear his voice. We're learning how to discern his voice. Uh, we started back in the book of Genesis. We kind of fast forward a little bit to the book of First Kings last week, and we're kind of rewinding this week uh, looking at the prophet Samuel, the, the first uh, original prophet that God called to the ministry and the role of a prophet. And, and so I don't know how many, how many of you remember the year 2020? We don't want to remember the year 2020. We want to forget all about that. But there were a lot of significant events that took place in my life personally in the year 2020. I was looking back through my journal a while ago. And three years to this day today, August the 13th of 2020 is when we set the date for me to come in view of a call to be your pastor here. We had started talking back in July and we talked several different times, and we set the date. I came and visited with uh, the pastor search committee in early August, but on August the 13th, we said, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's plan a weekend where I can come, uh, get to know everybody, preach a sermon, and, and I'll just come in view of a call, and we'll see where the Lord leads us from there. Before that, 2014 is when God actually, when I knew that God was calling me into the ministry. And, and so I, I enrolled in seminary, furthered my biblical education and background and started uh, moving in that direction. And then in 2020 was a year when God said, this is where I want you to be. So in that one year, uh, I went through an occupation change. Uh, I relocated. I left my hometown of De Quincey. I sold my house. I went through a hurricane, two hurricanes as a matter of fact. So there were a lot of significant events that took place in the year 2020. It's something that will be embedded forever in my mind. And uh, I'm just looking forward to what the Lord continues to do here. Uh, Hearing God's voice, that was one thing that I had to know for sure is, God, is this what you want me to do? So I had to know for sure that this is where God was leading me. This was God speaking to me. This was his calling upon my life. 
And so we're going to see the same thing happening in the prophet uh, Samuel in his life today. So uh, for those of you that don't know my background, I spent over 30 years in the chemical industry. I worked at a plant back in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And uh, I hired in as an operator. Uh, I went straight to the processing unit. Uh, I was making adjustments. I was running the equipment. I was learning all about how to make the products that they were manufacturing there. One thing I found out, though, is that you don't just drop a person in the middle of a, an operating unit and expect them to know everything. They have to be trained. They have to be taught. Uh, they have to go from ground level, from square one. Uh, they have to be paired up with someone who is maybe a senior to them knowledgeable of the equipment, how it works, what its characteristics are, what happens if you do the wrong thing, uh, how to do the procedures properly. You would introduce them to a book probably about this thick of uh, standard operating procedures of that particular unit, uh, and they would learn those. They would memorize those. They would want to know what happens if this situation comes up. If the, if the unit is uh, operating improperly, what do I do to correct that? And so they had to be trained to become knowledgeable in working that unit, working in that unit safely to make a product that the company wanted produced through that unit. The training procedure in any of those process units, and on many of the jobs that you know as well, not just the chemical industry, uh, the training is probably the essential part of being successful in whatever you do, whether it's football training, baseball training, gymnastics training, uh, whatever it is you're wanting to become proficient at, whatever you're wanting to prove at, there is training involved in that. Our Sunday school program, that's one of the bases of it. It's to train you on how to read the Bible and study the Bible on your own. And, and so the Bible tells us in Proverbs 22.6 to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, once you do the training, you have done your part. You have fulfilled your role. You have met your requirements of what God has asked you to do as a parent, grandparent, guardian, whatever the case may be. At that point in time, the child then becomes accountable to what they have been trained in doing. That's the situation in Samuel's life. Hannah and Elkanah, uh, early on in the book of 1 Samuel, chapters 1 and 2, we were introduced to them. They're a godly couple. Uh, they could not have children until Hannah went and prayed. She says, Lord, I'll do whatever it is. We, we read about Hannah's prayer early on in the book of Samuel, and God blesses them with a child. And she said, Lord, I'm going to dedicate this child to you. He's going to grow up in your tabernacle, in your sanctuary, learning about you and serving you. And because of that, God blessed them with five other children, three boys, two girls afterwards. We also see another parent. His name is Eli. Unfortunately, his two sons weren't as godly as the children of Hannah and Elkanah. It says specifically in chapter 2 that Eli's sons were wicked. Now, I don't know what kind of training or what kind of a parent he was. I don't know why they turned out the way that we do, but we see these polar opposites taking place in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. And we're going to see that come into play in tonight's message as well, but we're going to look at specifically at the life of Samuel and the first time that Samuel heard God's voice. 1 Samuel chapter 2, we see that Eli's sons, uh, Phineas and Hophni, uh, they did not know the Lord, yet they were serving in his tabernacle, in his temple. 
And they were taking some of the sacrifices that were being brought and handling them inappropriately, not according to God's laws. But we also see that at the time uh, when Samuel was a young boy, some say he was 12 years old, maybe early teens, uh, when he first heard the Lord's voice. He did not know the Lord. He knew of the Lord, but he didn't know him personally because he had never heard his voice before. And so that's the situation. If I were to take this crowd today, if I were to take this congregation, there would be some people who know of the Lord, but they don't know the Lord on a personal level because they have not yet heard his voice. One of the things that we're learning through this sermon series is that God speaks to us basically in three different ways. First of all, his word. Second of all, through other people. And third, through our circumstances. Now, I'm like you. I would be blessed if I could just take this word, this Bible, and somehow through osmosis memorize every word of it. But that's not how it happens. You have to devote some time. You can't just absorb it by holding it up close to you. You have to get into it. You have to dig it. But you also need to take time to let someone train you and how to discern God's word. How do I study it more effectively? How do I take God's word and meditate on it and gain knowledge from it daily? That's the number one way you can do it. You've got to get into it daily. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. So if you have your Bibles this morning, keep those things in mind. Uh, there, there is this one concept that I want you to keep in mind this morning, that to train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. I'm not going to read all of chapter 3 while you're standing. Let's all stand. We're going to take a, a little snapshot of Samuel's life and where he's at prior to his calling and his hearing God's voice the first time. First Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, it says that Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Uh, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. They would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Here's the main point that I want you to see there. That meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Samuel was daily ministering to the Lord and he was daily under the influence of Eli. Eli was training him how to follow the Lord more closely than ever before. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for loving us the way that you do, Lord God. And we thank you that you definitely want to speak to us, Lord God. Lord, you speak to us all uh, in different manners, Lord God. There are different stages of life here uh, in this congregation this morning. Some people have heard your voice early on in life. Some people have yet to hear your voice, Lord God. Uh, they know of you, they've heard of you, but they don't know you on a personal level and in an intimate level in which they can hear your voice clearly. And so I just pray, Lord God, that today you would teach us how to hear your voice more clearly than ever before. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So there are five specific things that we're going to look at in chapter 3, this one passage that we're going to learn about how uh, we can implement things in our life to hear God's voice. Most of it, you've got to be trained. It's something that you're, you can learn on your own. It's going to be a lot more difficult. But sermon series like this on how to hear from the Lord, uh, daily devotionals that you can take home and use with you, the, the curriculum that we use in our Sunday school class, uh, it is developed in a way that where it has daily devotionals that you can go back in and learn and reflect on the message and study it even more on your own. But in chapter 3, we see about a situation to where Samuel hears God's voice for the very first time. But when he first hears it, he doesn't understand who it is. He doesn't know who it is. So Eli has to teach him and train him, hey, this is God speaking to you. And when God speaks to you, here's what you need to do. So let's take a look, close look at this situation, this scenario in which Samuel first prophesied after hearing of the Lord. Verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So stop right there for just a moment. Here's what scripture teaches us in Proverbs chapter 29, 18. It says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Now that word vision there means a revelation uh, or a prophecy or someone speaking about God's word. So when God's word is void, when God's word is vacant, either in a nation, a church, or in someone's life, The Bible says that where there is no vision, the people perish. And that's what's going on in the nation of Israel right here. The Word of God says clearly that the Word of Lord was rare. Some translations may say precious. So anytime that God spoke to a person in this time and in this setting, they relished it. They knew that it was a very, very special prophecy, a very, very special revelation that they were experiencing. And so... Um, remember the sons of Eli, uh, they had been ministering in the temple. Uh, they were the ones in charge of things, but they did not know the Lord. And there was no revelation coming through them because they were mishandling the sacrifices being brought and they were in direct disobedience to the Lord. And so without divine direction, the society strays off course and erodes and that's exactly what was going on because of the corruption of Eli's wicked sons and so here's my point when God's people are uh, consumed by worldly desires God remains silent in your life when you are uh, overburdened by worldly desires when you are consumed by worldly things and you're not focused on hearing from the Lord Your life is going to erode, it's going to stray off a course, and it's not going to be where the Lord wants you to be. Keep this in mind, Adrian Rogers used to always say that God only does business with those who mean business. And Eli's sons, Phineas and Hophni, did not mean business with the Lord. They were only worried about their own personal desires. And because of that, an entire nation suffered from it. So here's the first thing that we need to see in verses 2 and 9, uh, 2 through 9. And it came to pass that at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim 
that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle. That lets us know that Eli is up in age. Um, the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down. That the Lord called Samuel. And he answered here I am. So he ran to Eli and said. Here I am for you called me. And he said I did not call you lie down again. And he went and he lay down. When the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of Lord revealed uh, yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went down and lay down in his place. The first thing that we need to see, based on what we just read in verses 1 through 9, is point number one, we need to be taught how to recognize God's voice. We need to be taught how to recognize God's voice. We're going to learn through this uh, study series that God speaks to us in several different ways. Uh, His word, other people in our circumstances, but mainly through his word. Note in verse 7 what it says. It says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet Revealed to him. Remember back in Proverbs 22 6 to train up a child in the way he should go. And that's exactly what Eli does here. He says, I've got this young boy who's inexperienced about hearing God's voice. He has not yet been revealed to God's word. God's word is not common to him, it's not knowledgeable to him. I believe that the Lord is speaking to this young boy. And now it is my role as his discipler as his mentor, to teach him how to hear God's voice. God's word. If you're not in God's word on a regular basis, and I'm talking about every day as much as possible, you're not going to learn how to hear God's voice. Amen? For a Christian to be apart from the word of God, that is instant death right there. The more time you spend with someone, the more familiar you become with their voice. The more you listen to someone, the more you want to hear their voice, the more you familiar you become with who they are, the more intimate you become with that person, and the more you are able to recognize their voice. So for you to not get into God's Word at all, and for you to not get into God's Word on a regular basis, That means that you either don't want to hear what God has to say to you (laughs) or you're just a slow learner. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17. If you want to write that down, write it down. But Paul wrote to him, he says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise For salvation through faith which is in 
Jesus Christ. And then he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What did Paul say in there? Paul said, Timothy, you were built for this. You were made for this. You were trained for this. That from a childhood, you have been taught how to study God's word. And now look at all the benefits that you've gained from it. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. It's going to benefit you in so many ways. Some of you here didn't learn about the Lord until later in life. You've had to teach yourself about God's Word. You had to get into God's Word. But some of your children are here today. Some of them are back in that room. Some of them were there earlier today. And they're teaching them about God's Word. They're teaching them about Bible stories. Have you committed your family to the Lord? Have you said, I'm going to make sure that my children are in a place where they can learn more about the Bible so that they'll have those benefits in their life? But let's bring it to a personal level here. Do you recognize God's voice? Do you get into God's word the way that you should? Here's the question on the floor right now. How much of God's word do you consume on a regular basis? How many of you ever eat one meal a week? Does anybody ever eat one meal a week? Sunday morning should not be the only time that you open up your Bible and read it. Why do I make you to stand up uh, whenever we read? Because that's the the focus of our uh, being here in worship on Sunday mornings. That is the basis for everything that we do. That is the highlight of our worship services, opening up God's word and allowing God to speak to us. But this shouldn't be the only time that you do that. You should give the first part of your day to the Lord, the first fruits, the very best, You should say, God, your word is that much of a priority in my life that I'm going to devote enough time time every morning to get a little bit of your word and set the pace for the rest of my day. It's difficult to hear God's voice if you aren't immersing yourself in Scripture. I can't come to your house every morning and preach to you. (laughs) I, I can't call you every morning and say, hey, have you read your Bible yet? That is up to you. That is a personal decision that you have to make. And if you want to hear God's voice, you're going to make that a spiritual discipline. You're going to make that a regular practice. Why is it so important for me to focus on God's word in Sunday school and hearing this message? Why do I preach expository, exegetical messages where we go through it line by line, verse by verse? Because I know how powerful God's word is. And God has promised that when his word is spoken, it will not return void. And if you want your life to be connected to the Lord, and if you want to hear his voice, you've got to make God's word a priority. But you need to be taught how to recognize God's voice. Why is it that I think that America is spiritually and scripturally anemic? USA Today posted... Uh, the result of a George Gallup poll back in the year 1990. And here were the results. It said that only 11% of Americans read the Bible every day. More than half read it less than once a month or never at all. 
Now, just in the year 2021, the population of the United States was 332 million people. That would mean that 295 million people are spiritually anemic. They don't read their Bible daily. But wait, it gets worse. It gets much, much worse than that. The same poll revealed this, that only 23%, one out of every four people who claim to be a Christian say they never read the Word of God. And we want to know why America is the way that it is. Folks, the problem is not in the White House. (laughs) The problem is in God's house. We haven't set the right priorities and we aren't focused on the right things. Remember what Proverbs 29, 18 said, where there is no vision, the people perish. When there is no revelation, when there is no prophecy, when there is no love of God's word, a whole culture slips away. And a nation suffers from it. Morals erode. And our eyes get focused on things of this world instead of on God. Because we have not been taught how to recognize God's voice by getting into his word. Chapter 2 verse 12 of 1 Samuel. Points out that Eli's sons did not know the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 7 tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. There's a vast difference between knowing of someone and actually knowing someone on a personal level. I I know of George Washington, (laughs) but I've never heard his voice. I, I don't know him personally. I know all about him. I read about him in history books. But that doesn't mean that we're connected in any way, shape, or form. Back in Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul, he was Saul at the time. He was on the road to Damascus. He knew of the Lord, but he did not know him intimately. He did not know him the way that he discovered him on the road to Damascus. He had never heard his voice. He had a head knowledge of who God is, but he didn't have a heart knowledge, and he didn't know him personally. And as soon as he heard his voice, it was revealed that he didn't know who it was. He says, who are you, Lord? Same thing happened to Samuel. When Samuel heard God's voice, he didn't recognize it because he did not know the Lord yet. And Eli had to teach him how to recognize God's voice. Young children and new believers, they are babes in Christ. Some do not yet know the Lord. New believers have just come to know the Lord and they're not real familiar with listening to God's voice. They need to be taught how to hear, how to follow, and how to obey the voice of God. God uses his word, he uses his, our circumstances, but he also uses other people to help us recognize and hear his voice. And in Samuel's case, he used a 90-year-old man who couldn't hardly see, but he was familiar with hearing God's voice. 
And he said, young Samuel needs to be taught how to hear God's voice. Some people ask me all the time, look, Brother Tracy, what is the age of accountability? When is an appropriate age for a person to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and accept him as their Savior? I thought about that a lot. What is the age of accountability? Right here, uh, some think that Samuel was about 12 years old. Here's what I believe. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I, I think that there are some little kids that are smart enough to recognize when God's knocking on their heart. But I also believe that there are some adults that aren't smart enough to respond to God's voice whenever he's calling. I say that whenever a kid is able to understand what sin is, who Jesus is, and what a life without him looks like, I think they're ready. I believe that's the age of accountability. I don't think that there is a biblically set age in which you can say 8, 9, 10, 11. I don't think you can do that. I think when they are intellectually and spiritually mature enough to recognize those things, I think that's the age of accountability. And I think whenever you train them and teach them how to recognize God's voice and you've done everything you could possibly do, and they're old enough to get out on their own. They are then accountable to themselves. You are no longer accountable for the decision that they make. So we need to be taught how to recognize God's voice. The next thing we see in verse 10 is that we need to respond to God's request with a submissive spirit. Not only do we need to be taught how to recognize, but we also need to be taught how to respond. Look at what Eli says to Samuel. Eli catches on to what's going on. God is speaking to him. He's hearing a voice. He doesn't know who it is because he does not yet know the Lord. And look at what Eli tells him. He says, now the Lord came and stood and called as the other times. Eli had told him, look, if you hear this voice again, here's what you just say. You say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Man, if I could get people to respond the way Samuel responds here in verse 10. That would change the whole ball game for us. But it takes a lifetime sometimes for most people to learn how to respond in this manner. And it takes a very, very humble and submissive person to respond the way that Samuel responds here. God speaks to him again, but he doesn't just say his name once. He has to say it twice. And we see that all throughout Scripture as well. Verse 10, now the Lord came and stood... And called as at other times. And I want you to get this picture in your mind. God is actually getting up. And he is moving closer to Samuel. Samuel, you didn't hear me clearly the first time. Maybe I wasn't close enough. But I want to make sure that you understand that I am talking to you now. You ever been in that situation before? Boy, I have more than once. God has had to get my attention on multiple occasions. For God to say your name twice, it's kind of like your mama using that middle name. <laughs> when she wants to know that she's talking directly to you and nobody else, that middle name comes out. Tracy Lynn, <laughs> what did you do this time? But God calls his name out twice, Samuel, Samuel. And the writer of the, this book, most likely Samuel, 
is given an illustration of God actually getting up and standing right next to Samuel to make sure that Samuel clearly hears, hey, I'm talking to you. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, boy, if you don't have this verse highlighted or underlined, put a date by it because this may be the day when God speaks to you more clearly than he ever has before. What is your response going to be? When you do learn how to recognize God's voice, what is your response going to be? Speak for your servant hears. What is Samuel saying? Samuel saying, I'm no longer Eli's servant, but Lord, my life is in your hands. That song we sang just a few moments ago, my life is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. My faith is in you, Lord. And that's exactly what Samuel is saying here. He was giving, uh, responding to God's request with a very submissive spirit. Here's what Jesus had to say about that. Write this verse down, Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, here's the bad thing about hearing God's voice. You are then obligated to do what he is asking you to do when you learn how to recognize his voice. You don't have any other option. Anything else would be total disobedience. And let me just say this. Charles Stanley used to say this all the time. Partial obedience is total disobedience. Partial obedience is total disobedience. Don't do anything for the Lord half-heartedly. Either you're all in or you're all out. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. There's no straddling the fence. Now, some people may ask this. How do I know that it's really God Speaking to me. Here's the number one way. Whatever he's asking you to do, it will not contradict his word. He's not going to ask you to do something in opposition to his word. He's not going to ask you to do anything that's harmful to another person. Eli's sons did not know the Lord and they were performing acts that were in direct opposition to God's commandments. However, the voice that young Samuel heard was directly related to what God was going to do about the situation with Eli's sons. Let's look at what God told Samuel in verses 11 through 14. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Boy, we need somebody in America to hear something like that. Amen? Wouldn't it be amazing if God told somebody, look, here, I'm fixing to do something in America that when everybody hears it, oh, their, their ears are going to tingle. It's going to get their attention. But God was aware of the situation going on in Israel. And he said, I'm fixing to do something about this, buddy. I'm fixing to clean house, and here's the message that I want you to bring to them, Samuel. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house. From beginning to end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not 
be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. How would you like that for your first assignment? (laughs) That's a pretty tough one there. This man that just trained me how to hear God's voice, God is telling me to say something to him that is going to speak out against him and his household. So what do you do in a situation like that? What do you do when God speaks to you and you don't fully understand or it it seems difficult at the time? You better take a little time to meditate on it and process it fully. Tracy, I want you to quit your job and I want you to go into the ministry. (laughs) I need some time to process that. Tracy, I want you to leave your hometown, your family, your friends. And move to Morgan City. Yeah, I I need some time to process that too. You better know I prayed about those things. This message that God gave to Samuel, what does Samuel do with it? Verse 15. So Samuel laid down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here I am. Point number three, we need intentional time to reflect on what we have heard. It's one thing to recognize God's voice. It's another thing to respond to it. But you also need some time to reflect and meditate on what God is speaking to you. That's one sermon that we're going to focus on in this series is how to meditate, how to process. When was the last time you really meditated on something? I'm not talking about this uh, Middle Eastern mysticism. I'm not talking about lighting a little incense and, and getting you a little taboo doll or whatever it is that they do. I'm talking about reading something in God's Word and just processing it over and over in your mind and letting it marinate on your brain. When was the last time you really meditated on something like that? When was the last time you got up for your morning devotional? And said, God, this is something that is impacting my life. I really need some time to focus on this. And then just meditating on that throughout the day. Here here are three practical tips on successful Bible reading. You write these down. You're going to need these. You need to set aside a specific time. You need to take the time to do it daily. You need to have a reading plan. What is my plan to read the Bible? Do I read through it from beginning to end? That's one of the reasons we got the chronological Bibles back in January, for you to be able to read through God's Word. That's how important it is for me to know that you're in God's Word. You need to time. You need a plan. But you also need to meditate on what God is saying to you. What God had to say to Samuel was not good news for Eli. Judgment on his family. However, it would benefit the entire nation of Israel. Judgment would come on one family, but an entire nation would benefit from it. How do we know that it's God speaking to us when what we hear is beneficial to a multitude of people? When the overall implications have a positive impact and a positive effect on God's people, and they're not contrary to His Word, we can be certain that we have heard from the Lord. And what God told Samuel, Eli knew this. And God told Samuel this, look, 
Eli already knows these things, but he just has not dealt with it yet. He needs someone to confront him. The role of an Old Testament prophet was not an easy role. It was the prophet Nathan that went to King David and said, David, you are the man. You're the one that's committed this sin. You're the reason that Jerusalem and Israel are suffering, and you need to repent of what you've done. It was never easy for an Old Testament prophet to take those messages of judgment to people in higher authority. That's why we need time. We need intentional time to reflect on what God has spoken to us. Point number four, the next thing we need to see is that we need to apply God's revelation to our life with the utmost respect. Now, how easy would it have been for Eli to look over what Samuel had to say to him? How easy would it have been for Eli to say, look, Sam, I I taught you how to hear from God. Are you sure that's what God said to you? I I think you're too young to be hearing a message like that from God. I, I don't think it's genuine. But what kind of an example would that have been to Samuel? If Eli would have said, here's what I've trained you to do, but I think you're wrong in doing it. And I want you to respond to God's word, but I'm not going to respond to what you're saying. It would have been real easy for him to have said that. But what Samuel told him, Eli treated with the utmost respect. Look at verse 17. It said, and he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? (laughs) Samuel probably said, brother, you're going to be sad that you asked that question. Are you sure you want to know? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Eli is practically begging Samuel. Samuel, tell me what God has spoken to you. Then Samuel told him everything and he had nothing from him. Let me just say this. When you do hear from God, it might not always be what you want to hear. But it's going to be what you need to hear. And what Eli is about to hear is not what he wanted to hear, but he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was what he needed to hear. And here's what Eli said. Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to me. It's not surprising that Samuel's first prophetic message was one on judgment of Eli's family. Who better to bring this message to Eli than someone that Eli has been training? And Eli knew it all along. It's just God had to use another person to speak to him. Remember what I said? There are three ways that God speaks to us. Through his word, through our circumstances, and through other people. Sometimes the Lord will send you a stumbling, bumbling country boy preacher who gets his tongue tangled every now and then to tell you exactly what you need to hear. It might not be what you want to hear. But it's what you need to hear. I think back to Job chapter 2 verse 10. Job's wife said, look, why don't you just curse God and die? But Job had this to say, shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? God's going to tell you some things sometimes that you might not want to hear. Those are those adverse times. Those are those trying times that God sends you through. 
It wasn't what Eli wanted to hear, but it was what he needed to hear. I went to the doctor back in April, had some blood work done. It was bad. It wasn't good. There was more highlighted stuff that was out of spec than there was unhighlighted stuff. And the doctor shot straight with me. He didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. He told me what I needed to hear. He said, look, you're a walking time bomb. You need to do something about that. And I did. When I went home, I started cleaning house. I started looking at everything that I was consuming, things that I was saying. One of the things I had grown to love was these big old bottles of uh, flavored syrup for my coffee. <laughs> I love the salted caramel. Boy, that is some good stuff. You put a couple of shots in that, man, and it sweetens your coffee up. It just changes the flavor of it. My youngest son lives with us. He's a health nut. He's into healthy food and working out. He started looking at some of the things. He said, Dad, he said, do you know how much sugar's in one of these things? <laughs> but that wasn't what I wanted to hear. But it was what I needed to hear. What Samuel just told Eli, what, Samuel, what Eli had taught Samuel to do is hear from the Lord. And that message was something that Eli did not want to hear, but it was something that he most definitely needed to hear. And Eli knew it was from the Lord. So how often can you say those two things? The response that Samuel had to say, speak for your servant hears. And the response that Eli had to say, Lord, do to me what seems good to you. Change in my life what needs to be changed for my benefit. And change in my heart what needs to be changed to make me look more like your son, Jesus. Eli said, these are my two sons. Something's wrong. They're not living right. Lord, I want you to do to me whatever seems good to you. He accepted it. He took it like a man. And he knew that's what he needed to hear. The next thing we see is that Samuel goes out and he starts prophesying. He starts giving the words and the revelation that God's given to him. Point number five, our last point. We need to share with others. What God has revealed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God has set you free, if his blood has washed you free of your sins, if you've heard his voice and you've responded and you've submitted his life, uh, your life to him, if he's speaking to you through his word, you need to share that with your loved ones, with your friends, with your families. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The good news that God has revealed to set you free of your sins is what you need to share with other people. So when Samuel shared this information with Eli, look at what happened in verse 19. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words Fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And it all started when Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. What does all this have to Say to us, what does all this mean to us? Write down these verses. Psalm 119 is all about God's word. And verses 9 through 16 says this. 
says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. And I will not forget your word. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your words. And that's what God was doing in Israel. He was cleaning house because of Eli's wicked sons. That was the first issue that he had to to deal with was the sinful ways of two men. Let me ask you this question. Is God examining your heart right now? If God were to come and examine your life, what do you say? Is there any area that you have not yet submitted to me? Has there ever been a time in your life when you bowed down on your knees in humble submission and said, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening? It all starts by recognizing that you're born with a sinful nature. Our sin separates us from God. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Eli's two sons did not yet know the Lord. Before Samuel heard the Lord's voice, he did not know the Lord. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Today, do you really know the Lord the way that you should? Not only do you need to admit that you're a sinner, but you also need to believe that God still moves, God still speaks, and God wants to do something in your life. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Believing means not just a one-time decision, but it's a decision that you follow through throughout your entire life. God, I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. And I wholly submit my life to you. And it all starts by confessing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And that's the point that I'm calling you to this morning. If you do not yet know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that today. In just a moment, as soon as that music begins, if God's speaking to you right now, if he's knocking on your heart's door, if you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he's calling your name right now, Samuel, Samuel, Joe, Joe, Whatever your name may be, God's calling you to respond to what you've heard today. And now becomes your responsibility and nobody else's to respond in a manner that's pleasing to him. In just a moment when the music begins, don't hesitate. The cameras are going to be off. This is not publicized. This is a very private an intimate moment. Nobody's going to see what's going on. Nobody's going to be looking around. 
But if you need to make a decision this morning to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'll be waiting right down here in the front. And there's nothing more I'd love to do than to talk to you and pray with you about making that decision. Or maybe you're here today and you are a believer. You know beyond the shadow of a doubt that heaven is your home, God is your Father, and your sins have been forgiven. But it's been a long time since you spent quality time in God's Word. It's been a long time since God has spoken to your heart. These altars are going to be open for you. I, I encourage you to come and just, just make this a turning point in your life. Make this a commitment. Say, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you better, and I want to hear your voice more clearly than ever before. Come to these altars and make that commitment today. Also, if you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer, begin praying right now for those around you that God would give them the courage to step out in obedience to whatever it is God's asking them to do. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much for your love and your mercy and grace, and I know, Lord God, that you're with hearts right now. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give them the freedom and the liberty to step out in faith for whatever decision that they're, uh, you're encouraging them to make, Lord God. Whatever issue in their life they need to deal with, I pray that they would respond in obedience. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.